1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. When you found it, say amen. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Primera de Timoteo, capítulo 6, verso 12. It reads, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the, in the presence of many witnesses. Can you say that with me this evening? Fight the good fight of faith. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all of those who love his appearing. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. We thank you that we have not been abandoned or left alone throughout this year, but we have seen your hand moving on our behalf. And tonight we've gathered in this house of prayer at this late hour to say thank you, to worship you, and to hear your word. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive that word and put it to use in their hearts. That 2019 might bear fruit from the word that we hear tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to share with you from a few places in the scripture as I uh, go tonight, tonight through some of the uh, words that the Lord has been speaking to my heart concerning this coming year. But first of all, I want to deal with 2018 because I know that for some of you, um, I could say for some of us, the year was not as easy as you might have liked. How many of you had a tough year? Some of you I know went through some difficulties, some struggles, and so uh, it is with uh, that in mind that I want to begin. Quiero comenzar esta noche uh, al uh, compartir con ustedes algunas de las cosas que el Señor uh, está diciendo sobre este año nuevo, pero primero quiero comenzar hablando del 2018 porque Yo sé que algunos de nosotros hemos tenido que confrontar algunas cosas difíciles en este año. It may not be that 2018 was a year of any real significant physical uh, loss or financial loss, but maybe uh, for you 2018 was a year when your spirit was burdened, when your soul was carrying around burdens and difficulties, challenges that you couldn't quite lose yourself from. Quizá el año 2018 fue un año en el cual no necesariamente perdió uh, algunas cosas físicas o financieras, sino solamente cargó uh, en su espíritu, en su alma, algunos pesares, algunas cosas que han sido de peso a su alma. And I believe I speak prophetically tonight as I tell you what the Spirit of the Lord uh, says to me about this year. That tonight as you enter into 2019, he says the test is over. And uh, as you begin to go into this new season of your life in Christ, this new season that God has prepared for you, 
He commends the work of your hands and the and the the fight that you've been in because you have been in a test. You have been in a trial. This is why God hasn't spoken for some of you because the teacher never talks during a test. Maybe you've been going through a test in your finances. Maybe you've been going through a test in your physical body. Maybe you've been going through a test spiritually, a wilderness, a a place of difficulty and hardship. But I've come tonight to tell you that the test is over. And you're about to be promoted. You're about to go into a new place, a new level with God. Is there anybody in here that will receive that word tonight? Esta noche el Señor te dice ya el examen ha terminado. Ya lo que estabas pasando, lo que estaba ocurriendo en tu vida, ya ha venido a, a un lugar de, ter, de, de terminación. Y ahora vas a entrar a, un, a una época nueva de tu vida. I want to just challenge you tonight that uh, passing a test and, and uh, enduring a test is no small thing. There are a lot of people who uh, went through the same test you went through, and yet they're not here tonight. They went through the same challenge that you went through, the same storm, the same trouble that you went through, and yet they're not here tonight, but you're still standing. Why are you standing? You're standing because of the grace of God. You're standing because of the mercy of God. You're standing because of the kindness of God. Can I get a witness tonight that God has been good and God has been faithful in your life? And so... We hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul writes to Timothy, his uh, protege in the ministry. Pablo le escribe a Timoteo, su hijo en el ministerio. And he writes to him because he wants to give him the tools that will be necessary to be able to endure the hardships that come into his life. Pablo le escribe a Timoteo porque le quiere dar la herramienta necesaria para poder combatir y tener la herramienta para tener éxito en su caminar espiritual. How many of you know that the spiritual life is not an easy one? It requires tools. La vida espiritual no es una fácil. Uh, requiere herramientas. And it requires the right tools. Requiere las, las herramientas correctas. You know, Elder Martinez, he would always use this little phrase. He would say, se les hace fácil. El anciano Martínez siempre decía, se les hace fácil. He meant that the people think when they look at you and they see you living the Christian life, they think, oh, that's easy. Oh, that's a cinch. Cuando a una persona ve a otro viviendo la vida cristiana, ellos piensan, oh, qué fácil. That's, that's easy. But don't you know that it's not as easy as we make it look? Say amen, somebody. No es tan fácil como se ve to live the Christian life requires a lot from you. Poder vivir la vida cristiana requiere algo de ti. And so if there are any veterans in here tonight that know that it's not easy but it is possible, shout amen. Si usted es un veterano esta noche la vida espiritual, diga amen. Si usted sabe que no es fácil, pero si es posible vivir la vida cristiana. You know the reason that you and I don't look uh, don't make it look like it's hard to live the Christian life is because we don't look like what we've been through. 
We don't look like the places that we came out of. We don't look like the storms that we survived. We don't look like the tragedies that encountered our life. But that's because God has dressed us in a garment of praise. And he's given us a spirit of, of glory and a spirit of praise instead of the garment of heaviness. So just put a smile on your face tonight because you are a warrior in this Christian life. And God has given us tools that we might be able to finish what he has started in us. What is it that God has called us to do? ¿Qué es lo que Dios nos ha llamado a hacer? Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith to which you have been called. Pablo le dice a Timoteo, pelea la buena batalla de la fe a lo cual ha sido llamado. Somebody say, I've been called. Cada persona aquí ha sido llamada. Every person here has been called. There is a purpose, a divine purpose, a divine agenda over your life. You know that not a single person in here is without a God-given purpose, without a God-given assignment. No hay persona aquí esta noche que no tenga un propósito divino sobre su vida. And you know there are so, it is so important for you to know what your purpose is and to walk in light of the purpose of God upon your life. Because when you find your purpose and you pursue it, when you find what God has called you to do and you pursue it, you find yourself walking under the, the smile of heaven when you are doing the very thing that God designed for you to do. Now there are three things I'll mention briefly tonight that every single one of us has been called to do. This purpose is universal. Primero está el propósito universal. And the universal purpose of God for all people everywhere is that they would bring him glory. El propósito universal de Dios en cada área de, de, de la creación es que usted y yo le demos gloria. You were made for the glory of God. Usted fue hecho para la gloria de Dios. I want you to say that with me. I was made for the glory of God. And so your life and my life has to be lived for his glory. Nuestra vida tiene que ser vivida para la gloria de Dios. That's why we were made. That's why we were put on this earth. We were made not for our fame, but for his fame. Not for our praise, but for his praise. We were made that his name would receive glory. And that ought to be the desire of every one of our hearts. To say, as Isaiah said, Oh God, your name and your fame is the desire of of my soul. Esto debe ser el deseo de cada una de nuestras almas. Decir, Señor, tu fama y tu gloria es el deseo de mi alma. So listen, it doesn't matter if you're a carpenter or a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a nurse. It doesn't matter if you are a plumber or if you are a bus driver. Wherever you are, you are called to live your life for the glory of God. Donde quiera que usted esté. En cualquier ocupación o trabajo que usted tenga, usted y yo hemos sido llamados para vivir para la gloria de Dios. Now the second purpose that's on your life, el segundo propósito universal que está sobre tu vida, es que usted y yo hemos sido llamados a traer hombres a Cristo. We have been called and given the purpose to bring men to Christ. We have been called and, and designed by God to bring men to the knowledge of his son. 
So I pray that in 2019, you will be a soul-winning church. I pray that you will be a soul winner in every aspect of your life. That your life will be a light shining in the darkness that announces to the world that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus and that he is saving souls today. Somebody say amen. El propósito de tu vida es traer personas al conocimiento de Cristo. Que ellos puedan conocer al Dios que tú conoces. Y este año vamos a hacerlo un año de ganar almas. Un año en el cual declaramos que Cristo salva y que salva al más vil de los pecadores. The third universal purpose of God on your life is that he is designed and uh, purpose for you to become like Jesus. El tercer propósito universal que Dios tiene sobre tu vida es que Dios ha destinado que tú vas a ser como Jesús. Listen to what the Bible says. Escuche lo que dice la escritura. It says that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And those whom he predestined, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Dice la escritura que los que él conoció, él también predestinó para que fueran conformados a la imagen de su hijo. Now some people think as they misread that verse that that means that God predetermines who will be saved and who will be lost. That's not what the verse says. The verse is saying that God has predetermined that every person who says yes to Christ will become like Jesus. You have been predestined by God to become like Jesus. So you can't help it if every day of your life the Holy Spirit is on you, shaping you, and molding you, and convicting you because there is a purpose on your life. And that purpose is for you to be like Jesus. Say amen if you want to be like Jesus. So don't, don't even, even think about letting, telling the Holy Spirit to let go of your hand. Don't even think about telling the Holy Spirit, I got this. I don't want you to convict me anymore. Stop bothering me about this stuff. He's not going to let you go. I know some of you, you say, Lord, you don't seem to bother my neighbor. He's over there uh, hooked on drugs. He's over there stealing, embezzling money. He's over there lying to the IRS. And nobody ever seems to get on his case. But if I even look sideways, Lord, you're right there on top of me telling me that I need to repent, telling me that I need to get right. Why does he do that? Because your neighbor doesn't belong to him. But you belong to him. And those whom he loves, he chastens. Come on, somebody. He calls out his children. Listen, if you're in the grocery store and there's a child that does not belong to you, acting up, throwing things off the shelves, you cannot go over and correct that child. If you do, you will be in trouble. I'll be having a prison visit for you. You know, you can't do that with somebody else's child. But if it's your child, you can correct them. And that's what God has decided. He's decided his children are going to receive his correction because he's going to make us like Jesus. Every single day, he's making you more like Jesus. Cada día del año, él está formando tu carácter para que seas más y más como Jesús. Entonces, por eso, vienen pruebas a tu vida. Vienen momentos de dificultad a tu vida. ¿Por qué? Porque Dios quiere formarte a que seas más como Jesús. That's why things come into your life at times that challenge you. Uh, there are situations that, that, that form your character because God has predestined you to become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. 
Now that's the call of God in the universal sense. But every person in here also has an individual, unique, and specific call from God. Every person in here has a unique purpose that God put you on the planet Earth to do. Cada persona aquí está bajo el universal propósito de Dios. Pero también cada persona aquí esta noche está bajo el propósito único de Dios. Hay una asignación, un trabajo que nadie más en el mundo puede hacer sino usted. There is a job, there is a task, a calling that no one else in the world can do except for you. So listen, whenever you have to uh, assume a position to do the will of God in your life, don't ever apologize for what God gives you. And don't ever apologize for the places where God puts you. Just know this, at this moment in history, you are the only person with the gifts and the skills and the anointing to do that specific job. And so you have to do it. Come on, somebody. You can't just assume that somebody else is going to do it. God has put a specific purpose and a specific call on your life. Dios ha puesto un propósito específico y único sobre tu vida. Your job is to discover what that is. Tu trabajo es descubrir qué es ese propósito. Qué es esa, esa asignación. This is why he gave us gifts. He gives, he gives us skills. He gives us talent. All of these things are pointing us in the direction of God's call upon our life. Listen, if we can't sing, God hasn't called us to sing, all right? Your gifts are pointing you in the direction of what God has assigned for you to do in your life. Say amen, somebody. You know what else is calling, is pointing you in that direction? The burden of God on your life is pointing you in the direction of your call. What do you mean, pastor? I mean this. What do you worry about? What is it that bothers you? When you come to church and you, you see a need, uh, there are other people that didn't see that need. But you saw it, and that burden is God telling you, that's where I want you to go. That's where I want you to serve. That's what I want you to do. Can I just tell you, friend, if you will follow the gifts and the calling of God on your life, if you will follow the burden of God on your life, you will find yourself things uh, doing things that you never imagined were possible for you to do. You'll find yourself doing things that only God could have thought of. Why? Because you're living out the purpose of God over your life. Now let me just tell you this. Some of you right now are not living in the exact place of your purpose. And it's not because you've been disobedient to God. It's not because you haven't discovered your purpose. It's because you are being prepared. Right now, what you're doing is practice for what God is going to have you do in the future. Say amen, somebody. When I was in the university, I was a college student. I worked in a particular office. And uh, the, the president, when the president of the college called me to his office and he offered me this job, he told me there's going to be a job where I was going to learn how to run a university. I thought, wow, he's going to let me be like his private number one next to him guy. I'm going to be doing all the things he does because he runs the university. But that's not what he had in mind. He put me in this office that we called the fishbowl. And we called it the fishbowl because it had a window that overlooked the whole campus. And it was so out of the way that unless you got lost, you really would never find that office. And there I was. That's where I worked. And my job was licking stamps and wetting envelopes. You ever done that? And, uh, and my job was stuffing envelopes and making phone calls. 
You know, these, these kids today, they think they're all cool because they have a little headset with a microphone. I was way ahead of you guys. I had my headset and my microphone, and I would call prospective students, and I would talk to them about the university, and here I was doing my job, and boy, was I good at it. I could ride from one side of that fishbowl to the other on that chair and never lose track of the conversation. Come on. I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, I would wonder, Lord, why do you have me in here? What am I doing this for? Why have you put me here? What I didn't realize was that I was practicing. I was practicing for the place that God was going to put me. I didn't know that someday I would be running a seminary. I didn't know that God was going to call me to train preachers to preach the gospel. But you know, God was putting me in that place so that I could practice. And the same thing is happening in your life right now. God has put you where you are so that you can practice for what he wants to do in your life next year and next month. Come on, somebody. 2018 was just practice for the next thing that God is going to do in your life. Somebody ought to get excited because you don't always know what is so important about this. You remember the karate kid? Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. He said, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Why are you putting me through this? Why did you put me through that relationship? Why did you put me in that job? Why did you let me go through that situation? And God doesn't always tell you why. Because he doesn't care about you understanding all the time. He just wants you to obey. He just wants you to trust. He just wants you to know that he has a plan. And his plan is a good plan. Say amen, somebody. His plan is a plan to bring about his glory and his purpose. In your life. Now here's the thing about a call. In order to, to live out your call and purpose in, in, in life, you have to have these tools. In order to accomplish the purpose of God in your life, you've got to have the tools that Paul wrote to Timothy about. And I want to share them with you right now because these tools are essential for you to be able to get to do the things that God has designed for you to do in this coming year. Not just in this coming year, but in these coming 10 years or in the coming 20 years if Jesus tarries. Do you know that you and I can't just live life and say, well, we'll see what comes in 2019. No, we have to look at life and follow God every single day. Be led by the Spirit of God every single day. And if you will accept the call of God on your life, you're going to have to have these tools. Now, here they are. Here's the first tool that Paul gave to Timothy. He said, Timothy, stay the course. Finish the course. Say that with me. Finish the course. Are you a finisher? Do you finish what you start? Are you the person that we can count on to get it done? You know there are a lot of people who start things they never finish. I'm not picking on anybody tonight. I'm just stating the facts, all right? Some people started to come to church tonight, but they didn't come. They're not finishers. All right, there are some people who have projects in their house since 1982, and, and they always say, I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to get around to that. They're, 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 they're always expecting, I'm going to do that someday. Uh, but you and I have to be finishers. If you are going to follow God and the purpose of God in your life, you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to finish. 
Lo primero, la primera herramienta que usted necesita para cumplir el propósito de Dios en su vida es que usted necesita ser un terminador. Hay muchos que no terminan lo que comienzan. And, uh, hay muchos los que uh, comienzan algo, un proyecto, pero nunca lo terminan. Hermano, el llamado de Dios en tu vida requiere que tú seas un terminador. Una persona que hace su mente, su decisión fija de decir yo voy a terminar lo que Dios ha pro, uh, propuesto para mi vida. You know that it is easy to start. Es fácil comenzar las cosas. It's easy to start a new job or to start a new relationship or to start a new course in college. It's easy to start a, uh, a, a new project in your life. It's easy to start things. But what's important isn't starting. What's important is finishing. The Bible says that he that celebrates is not the one that gets off the horse, the pardon, the one that gets on the horse to go to battle, but the one that gets back from battle and gets off the horse. That's the one that gets to celebrate. You don't just get to celebrate by starting. It's easy to start a new job because we say, oh, this job is going to have benefits. I'm going to have better hours. I think I'm going to like the boss. We start a new relationship. Oh, I like this girl. I like this guy. This is really going to work out. This might be the one. We start a new, a, a, a new business. Well, this is going to be great. It's going to be profitable. It's going to accomplish a lot of things. We start maybe a new church. This church really got it. This pastor really knows what he's talking about. I really like the worship leader in this new church. We start all of these things in life. Maybe you started a new ministry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to meet needs. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to live up to my purpose. Maybe this year you started a new relationship with Christ. And you said, oh, this is exciting. This is fun. Look, I found the book of Malachi. That's the hardest book to find. And I found it. And you can get excited about starting things. But you know, when you started that thing, and then it gets harder than you thought it was going to be. You start that new job, and you realize, oh, these people actually want me to show up on time. And they actually want me to work the entire time that I'm here. You start a new relationship, and you realize that uh, this guy's feet stink a little bit. And this girl, well, you know, she has some moods I don't quite understand. And uh, you start a new church, and you realize, you know what? This church is filled with people, regular people, just like every other church. And they have the same kinds of issues that every other church has. Come on, somebody. You start, a, you start a new business or a new ministry, and then you realize, you know what? The ministry is about people, and people are tough to deal with. Sometimes they say they'll come and they don't come. Sometimes they say they're not coming and they show up. And you start to realize it's not as easy. It's not as easy as it looked from the outside. But you know what? God is looking for people who say, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I am going to finish what God began in my life. Dios está buscando pueblo que diga, yo voy a terminar lo que Dios ha comenzado en mi vida. You know why? Because this journey of, of faith, this journey in walk with God, sometimes it gets ugly. Sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it gets to a place where you don't know which way to go. And you start to wonder, should I have done this at all? Should I have gotten into this at all? Can I tell you, friends, that when you come up on those bumps in the road, 
when you come up on those obstacles in your faith life, that's when you have to decide, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish the course. I'm going to do what God called me to do. You've got to make up your mind. Tonight, I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm going to endure. That's why you're here tonight. Because, you know, 2018 brought you countless opportunities to quit. How many of you know that's true? This last year brought you so many opportunities to quit that you could have taken any one of them and we wouldn't have blamed you. We would have said, yeah, that's a good idea or that's a, that, that's a good reason rather. We would have said, you know, I understand. I'm going to pray for you. But you know what? You didn't take those opportunities. You said, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to keep going forward. Come on, somebody. Because you came to a condition that realized I've got to stick with God there's nothing else there's nothing better there's nothing waiting for me on the other side I have to keep going forward you know David had a moment like that in his life King David was living on top of the world he had been anointed by God to be king he became king and now he goes and he brings the ark of the covenant into Zion I'm telling you this was the biggest spiritual event of the, of the 20 year period that David had been living in. Nothing this important had happened in a very long time. The ark had been missing for a long time and now David goes and he brings back the ark. And there he comes and this is a big public display of God's goodness and power on behalf of David. You know, he's, he had 30,000 warriors coming with him and, and, and da dancing and pro uh, praising God and celebration. There were things that would have uh, amazed even the greatest of our political parades today. But then the Bible said that when they had placed the ark on a new cart, and here goes David carrying out this great extraordinary task. The Bible said that the cart hit uh, a, a bump in the road. It kind of lost its balance. And Uzzah reached out his hands to touch the ark. And when he held the ark, the Bible said he, he fell dead because touching the ark of the covenant was absolutely prohibited by God. And so David came up on one of those moments where it would have been easy for him to quit. And in fact, he kind of did quit a little bit. He even got angry at God. And he started to say, you know what, I'm not going to go forward. I've got to just leave this thing where it lies. You know, those moments come into our life when we don't understand what God is doing. And we say, but Lord, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to do a good deed. I was just trying to accomplish what I thought was your will. But you see, we got to realize that God's will has to be done God's way all the time. La voluntad de Dios tiene que ser hecha todo el tiempo conforme el propósito y el diseño de Dios. Cuando David traía el arca, ocurrió este incidente donde murió aquel varón que tocó el arca. Y Jehová se enojó contra él y cayó muerte, muerto en ese día. ¿Y qué haría usted en ese momento cuando parece ser que su propósito ha llegado a un tope en el camino? What do you do when it seems like your purpose has hit a bump in the road? When it feels like you haven't had the strength to carry on? We see another man named Job. Job went through a similar situation. Job was a man of God. The Bible said Job was blameless. He was a devout man. He was a man of, of, of greatness in his community. And he was the richest man in the East. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to say about a man? But then the Bible said a messenger 
came to him one day and said, Job, uh, your, your donkeys have all been stolen. And then another man said to him, Job, your, uh, your sheep have been struck down by fire from heaven. And then another man came and said, Job, your camels have been attacked and they have been destroyed. And then another man came and said, Job, your daughters and your sons have all been killed in a calamity. And in that moment, Job's life hit a bump in the road. He came to a moment where he was ready to quit, but instead of quitting, Bible said he fell on his face. And this is what he said. He said, in naked I came into the world, and naked I'm going to go out of this world. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, but then, you know what happened? Health issues came into Job's life. And it seemed like that, that bump in the road became a pothole. It became a hole so big he couldn't dig his way out of. You know, there have been three times in my life where I have been in a car at night, and I thought for sure I was going to see Jesus at any moment. One of them was recently this year where uh, we were driving through Alaska, and there were so many big gaping potholes. You couldn't even call them potholes. It was more like uh, a, a, a cavern in the middle of the road. And it seemed like our driver was playing whack-a-mole with the, with the holes. He just seemed like he hit every one. And I just commended my soul to God. I said, Lord, I, I, I'm going to see you any, any moment now. So I just pray you'll take care of Kingsway, take care of my family, and make sure I don't get too disfigured, all right? Just, uh, you know, you just got to get ready for that sort of thing. But, you know, when you hit one of those, when you hit one of those bumps in the road in your life, it can be easy to throw up your hands and quit. This is what Job said. After he had experienced his physical condition deteriorating, this is what he said. He said, I look forward and I can't see God. I look backward and I can't discern where he is. I look to the right and I look to the left. But where's God? I can't see him. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever hit a moment in your life so challenging, so complex? You say, God, where are you? I looked all around. I can't see you. I can't figure out what you're doing. I don't understand why you're putting me through this. But then they, uh, Job said this. He said, the Lord knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. For my foot has not left his path. And I will not, I will not turn away from it to the right or to the left. These were the words of Job. He said, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. What was he saying? He was saying, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I am going to finish what God put my life on this earth to do. Come on, somebody. That's the kind of faith that it takes. That's the kind of endurance that it takes. I know for some of you this last year was a challenge. But Paul, when he says to Timothy, Stay the course. Finish the course. He's not saying to Timothy, Timothy, you're not going to have any problems. He's not saying you're not going to have any challenges. He's not saying you're not going to have any upsetting moments. He's saying, in spite of all that, finish what God has begun in your, in your life. Commit yourself. Commit your life to the purpose of God and to the glory of God for your life. Now, here's the second tool that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight. Say that with me. Fight the good fight. La segunda herramienta que Dios le da, a, 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 que Pablo le da a Timoteo, le dice, pelea la buena batalla. 
Usted y yo tenemos que determinarnos a terminar lo que Dios ha comenzado. Pero también tenemos que pelear la buena batalla. We also have to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. Listen, friends, you and I are in a spiritual battle. We are in a fight for our purpose. We are in a fight for the glory of God. And you've got to make up your mind. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I know you've been fighting throughout this year. And you have, you have, you have, just, you have fought against the urge to, to give up. And you fought against the, the, the part of you that said, I can't do it. I, I'm not strong enough for this. You fought against the part of you that said, I'm not cut out for this anymore. You've, you've overcome that. But can I tell you, next year you're going to have to keep fighting. You're going to have to keep fighting the good fight of faith. You're going to have to fight, first of all, the, the words of, of uh, accusation by the haters and the naysayers in your life. You know there are going to be people who say you can't. You've got to decide I can. There are going to be people who say you're not worth it, that you don't deserve it. You've got to decide I am worth it. I do deserve it. And by the way, let me just remind you, you don't need anybody's permission to be blessed. You don't need anybody's permission to be happy. You don't need anybody's permission to succeed. Come on, somebody. All you need is to know what God has said about your life. What has God decided about your life? You're going to have to fight the devil. The devil is a thief and a robber, a liar, and an accuser. He's a tempter and a seducer. You're going to have to fight the devil because he's going to show up in your life to tempt you, to lure you away from God's plan and God's purpose over your life. And you're going to have to stand up and know that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Can I just tell you tonight, the devil has been defeated. Jesus has won the battle. And that means that the battle has been won for you. But you've got to fight the fight. You've got to know that nothing the devil can throw at you this year is greater than the strength of God and the power of God in your life. You've got to know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But you know you're going to have to fight against somebody else. You're going to have to fight against yourself. You're going to have to fight against the insecurities that you face. You know, it's tough enough to fight the outside voice, but it's real tough to fight the inside voice. The voice that says, I, I'm not good enough. I can't. I'm not strong enough. You're going to have to fight that voice that says, what will people say? What will people think? That voice that says, I've failed in the past. I'll probably fail again. That voice that says, I, I can't get over what was done to me yesterday. You're going to have to fight against your failures. You're going to have to fight against the, the uh, enemy and the shame that he wants to put over your life. You're going to have to fight against your own pride. You know your pride will often rise up to stand up and oppose the purpose of God in your life. Our pride will talk us out of God's blessing as many times as we'll let it. You can be doing something for God and your pride will raise up and say, hmm, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't get recognized enough. I don't get enough attention. I didn't get the reward that I thought I was going to get. You've got to sit your pride down like a little boy and just tell him, you just sit right there. I'm not in it for that. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here because God is worthy. I'm here because God is able. And I'm here because God called me. And he called me for his glory, for his fame, and for his sake. You're going to have to fight against those things in your life. And you have to fight this fight 
with the assurance that God has already given you the victory, that he has already given you the strength to overcome every single test. Can I just tell you tonight, if you've been fighting, if you've been, if you've been warring the good warfare of faith, God has a reward in store for you. God has greater things for you than you could have imagined. And so here's the third key or the third tool to be being able to fulfill your purpose in this life. You need to keep the faith. Say, keep the faith. La tercera herramienta es guardar la fe. You know that the enemy wants to steal your faith. El enemigo quiere robarte tu fe. Listen, there are a lot of things you might have lost this year, but you didn't lose your faith. And that's the most important thing that you've got. Listen, listen, church, the most important thing in your life is not the car you drove here in. It's not the house you, you live in or the, or the pillow you sleep on tonight. The most important thing in your life is your faith. Because listen, if you lose your faith, you've lost everything. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to do the things that God has called you to do. But listen, if you lose a car, faith can get your car back. Say amen, somebody. If you lose your health, faith can restore your health. If you lose some finances, faith can restore your finances. Come on, I know it's close to midnight, and some of you are way up past your bedtime. But did you just hear what I said? I said, whatever you lose, faith can help you restore. God is able to respond to the faith in your life. Faith can put back what the devil has stolen out of your life. That's why Paul says to Timothy, keep the faith. Listen, if you lose your job, keep the faith. If you lose your health, keep the faith. If you lose a relationship, keep the faith. If you lose a car, keep the faith. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, keep the faith. Don't stop believing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hold on to God. Hold on to your faith in God. Why? He says, take hold of that for which you have made a good confession. Take hold of that which you have believed, so that you can say with the prophet of old, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. When you and I speak, we must speak by faith. Our words must be words of faith. They must be words that know that God's word is powerful in our life. You know, the Bible says this, that the word of God is like a hammer that shatters the rock. So when you open your mouth with the word of God, you put faith in your mouth, your word, the word in your mouth is like a hammer that is able to break through every mountain and every rock that stands before your life. Keep the faith. Because if you keep the faith, you can keep that vital connection with God that makes it possible for you to endure every single test that you might endure in this life. You realize this? The Bible says this, we have a spirit of faith. That means that the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, he's a spirit of faith. So if you come up upon a moment when you don't have any faith, you just let the Holy Spirit take over. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of faith. He'll produce faith in you. Si usted llega un momento en su vida donde le falta la fe, deje que el Espíritu Santo tome control, porque él es el espíritu de fe. Él puede producir en nuestra vida la fe para mover montañas. And so tonight, 
I challenge you with this. Keep the faith. Hang on to your faith in God. Don't look at your circumstances. Look at your God. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. Guarda tu confianza, tu fe en Dios. No desmayes en tu fe. Guarda esa fe porque la fe puede producir en tu vida el poder y el milagro que tú necesitas. Si pierdes un carro, la fe puede restaurar el carro. Si usted pierde una casa, la, la fe puede restaurar una casa. Si usted pierde su salud, la fe puede restaurar su salud. Pero si usted pierde su fe, nada lo puede restaurar. Es la conexión vital que usted tiene con Dios. Say it again tonight. Keep the faith. And so Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And now, say and now. He said there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I want you to look back at 2018. And I want you to say this. I have fought a good fight. Can you say that? I said, can you say that? You said, I have finished my course. Said, I have finished my course. Can you say that? You're still standing. I said, you're still standing. Can you say, I have kept the faith? Come on, is there anybody in here who's kept the faith? Is there anybody in here that's endured storm and trial and test and persecution and yet you've kept the faith? Can you say that tonight? I have kept the faith. Well, if you can say those three things, then I want you to say now there is something good that is laid up for me. Come on, I said now there is something laid up for me. God has something better, something good laid up for you. And you can't see it from where you are right now. You can't see it from where you stand right now. But you just keep moving in his direction. You just keep moving in his direction. And he's going to bring to pass every single thing that he has spoken over your life. Would you stand with me, please? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come into this altar tonight. If you know that you've kept the faith and fought the fight, and endured, and that there are good things in store for you coming to this altar. I want you just to come and stand in this altar tonight. Come on, make your way to this altar with confidence that says, God has good things in store for me. Because you see, 2019 is a year. When God has declared that it will be a year of his goodness. A year in which you will see the goodness of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that God has set apart a year. He has appointed a season and a time for you to walk into his abundant goodness. Where you're going to see things happen that you've been waiting for for a long time. And you're going to taste and see the goodness of God. So right where you are, I just want you to lift your hands. And I want you to say, Lord, I fought a good fight this year. Come on, just talk to him.
Talk to him about the battles you've endured. Talk to him about the war you've been through. Say, Lord, I have fought a fight with my emotions. I fought a fight with my inner thoughts. I, th I had to fight a fight with quitting. I had to fight a fight with pride. But I have fought that fight. I've stayed the course. I may have gotten distracted once or twice, God, but I have stayed the course. I didn't get discouraged. And when I did, did get discouraged, you helped me get back up and keep going forward. Come on, just tell him. Tell him what you've been through. Tell him, Lord, I've kept my faith. Maybe I haven't kept much else this year, but I've kept my faith. And I know that you are able to keep your word to me. I know that you are able to keep what you have promised. And now by faith I declare there is goodness stored up for me. There is goodness stored up for me. I'm about to walk into a new year. But it's not just a new year. It's a victory. It's a season of blessing. A season of glory. Come on. Testify. Testify. Through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. But grace, grace, grace has brought me safe thus far. Grace brought me through. Grace brought me through cancer. Grace brought me through diabetes. Grace brought me through addiction. Grace brought me through a broken marriage. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And it will be grace. It will be goodness that will see me through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is going to get the glory out of my life. God, you're going to get the glory out of my life. Oh, wonderful Savior. If it had not been, for the goodness of the Lord. For the strength of the Lord. I would have stumbled and fallen. Oh, but God, you were there. You were there.